0: the door 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 hello and welcome back to the door today we're somewhere quite exciting where we are recording the door
1: we're in the middle of stockwell in south london at a community centre who've
0: kindly lent us their facilities stockwell community centre yeah so we're in a proper studio which is fantastic now Today, we want to talk about historical fiction. And uh, Naomi and I are obviously interested in history. But recently, Naomi, you have been working on a project that is a bit unusual for you.
1: Well, yes, I've taken a different direction because normally I write non fiction history. Um, all of my published work has been on non fiction. But um, I started a project which really wouldn't fit into that category because there were huge holes in it so where I could never find out what had happened. So I thought the only direction to take was into fiction and to write some historical fiction about this particular story. I thought it was such a good story I couldn't pass up the opportunity. Um, So I'm writing about something that happened in
0: 1872 in London so you're saying there were holes what do you mean by that
1: well one of the protagonists in this story um, it was uh, the Earl of Lucan the third Earl of Lucan who was famous mostly for the um, uh, charge of the light brigade where he gave an ambiguous order and the result was many people men many horses dead on the battlefield uh, that was um, when he was in his fifties. He was a military commander, but this story takes place when he was in his early seventies, and he's really just one of the minor characters, but he plays a very significant role. Um, uh. Sorry, and the, uh, the the case involves the murder of a Frenchwoman in Park Lane, and he was um, the Earl of Lucan was, I believe, uh, having an affair with this woman's daughter who was 25 at the time and he was 72 so it was quite an interesting
0: situation. Yeah but that is a fact is it? it? It is a
1: fact as far as I can tell from very small clues in, in gossipy newspapers. Uh-huh. Uh, they obviously had to be very careful about what they said in terms of the libel laws but um, I, the, I needed to add some rich texture to this story in order to bring the whole story out and I thought the only way to really to do that is to do it through historical fiction.
0: Yeah, and that's that is interesting. Then what is historical fiction? Uh, because uh, history can, you know, history is never totally certain in a way. <laughs> absolutely and
1: you know, we all bring our own perspectives to it and you know influenced by ourselves as personalities and also the times we live in so yes it to to some extent there's always going to be some filling in of the gaps in any any work of non-fiction history hmm. and partly just to make it more interesting for the reader as well but there is um, i think historical fiction i love to read historical fiction uh, it, there is something about it that really delves into the, into the stories. Yes. Um, and non-fiction sometimes mm. doesn't, f- doesn't conform to our idea of a story, and I thought yeah. that I would get perhaps more engagement if this was a work of fiction in an acceptable story form.
0: I, in a lot of history that you learn, there are a lot of things missing as well I would say oh absolutely so when yeah. you when you read history you don't understand what the clothes felt like or often you know what it was like to <laughs> be in that period emotionally maybe because you learn a lot of facts and you know that are more certain facts that you might find in the archive of some sort that of, you know numbers and figures and that sort to, of thing so totally the really. human experience is missed out in history yes. but obviously in fiction human experience is number one often
1: yes and you can really bring that to the fore about what it felt perhaps to be on trial at the old bailey what it felt like um and if you look at some of the work well some of my favorite authors so Margaret Atwood, um, Sarah Waters, I've, I've just finished her book, The Fingersmith. And that is absolutely fantastic about what it felt like to live in a, a, a rundown old house full of people on the wrong side of the law in the borough in, in London. And it happens to be the street that Charles Dickens lodged in when his father was in the Marshalsea. And it also happens to be a street I used to walk down a lot when I was working in that part of London. So she has managed to really bring it out on you know the emotions of people who, li- who live there within the context of her her story, mm. and she can really add fabric and texture to to your understanding of of, of that period, which was she's writing about the mid nineteenth century. Yeah. Um, so it makes it very vivid. It makes it readers understand on a level that perhaps you don't get with
0: non-fiction so the the understanding the research then where you can get facts and figures is obviously very important in order for you as a writer to imagine (laughs) if you find out for instance that in this era you would wear a certain type of clothing say you then, as a person, might have to, as a writer, might have to go and, and actually go and experience what that material feels like in order for you to write about it. Uh, uh, how, how important do you think that accuracy is? Well, you,
1: you can be, um, as in non fiction, you can be fairly impressionistic. And for this particular project, writing project, which I haven't entirely finished, I did a huge amount of research, I researched everything that I could possibly think of and in a way I think possibly I did too much research and I have at one stage I was having a little crisis of writing and I I think I was being um, controlled by facts and um, the desire to tell it uh, to, to describe it when in, in fact what I needed to do is embed it and pick out certain things so yes you do need to do a lot of you need to know what you're talking about and not be wrong so not put anything in that is inappropriate, you know, doesn't work or is, is plain wrong for the period but I think in retrospect I possibly did too much but it is important to Go to the places where your story, if you can, to the, where your story takes place. Or really sort of walk the streets and get a feel mm. for um, the geography. And, and just imagine people living your story and operating like normal people we all know. Because yeah. they're still people, even though they're Victorians. Mm. Um, they still have the same sort of process of emotion and really sort of
0: think of it that way. So you get to know your character quite well and, and that, do you think that can interfere with the way you write about them in the sense of that you want to somehow protect them or that you, 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 know, you want to not yeah, in the way you, uh, yes. you look at them? Is uh, there... Yes, I,
1: uh, absolutely. I, I,
0: I get very fond
1: of my characters whether they're written for non-fiction or fiction and it's very important for me that i understand how they operate and with this particular character who was a cook she was 28 when she came to london and she she had come from paris where she had lived through the siege during which the citizens of paris starved in some degree or other and the commune where which was had a very bloody and terrifying end. So she'd come from that um, to to London to work. And again, I don't know exactly um, what pushed her into coming to London. There's a small reference to a woman of her name. Her name was Marguerite Dieblong, being arrested after the Commune. So she may have been in prison, and she may have been encouraged to leave Paris. Um, so, but I, she, she committed a terrible crime, but I still managed to have a great deal of sympathy with her, because, partly because I know what she lived through. Mm. And for that, I, she didn't say I did this, that, and the other, um, and then I had to come to London, and I was traumatized. She didn't say any of that. But I have worked out that that's what must have happened to her mm. before she arrived, and what we, they possibly impacted on this terrible event
0: Um. so you often write about women who actually we don't know very much about really is that you know so there will be holes to fill in for you uh, looking at women of a similar situation maybe and, and a broader understanding of women at that particular point is that right
1: absolutely absolutely I mean she she we get to know her through newspapers about uh, reports about the crime and um, about the and from the trial transcript and a few other sources but Mm. um, generally she was completely unknown apart from this one reference to her in the commune uh, before this point so yes I had to think around what it was like for a domestic servant in Paris and in London where she was a cook to the French woman I mentioned um, who lived in Park Lane so I had to think look at the lives of other women who were doing that kind of work and what the, what they may have gone through in in households and what they were what was expected of them and how and and play off how much how she might have been feeling about things that had happened to her quite recently in Paris, for instance and and how and how things that were happening to her in London, mm. so I had to build a context for her. She does come over quite strongly in some some reports, so I did get a very um, clear idea of how she might speak. she when she was in prison she in in England she petitioned for release and those I've read her words on the paper so I do have some idea of her voice Mm. but her life before the trial I have had to piece together and make build her as a character yeah
0: because it made me think about your field where you lift uh, sort of women that maybe are not so known compared to maybe historical fiction, fiction where you are using a well-known character, there are quite a lot of those uh, you know, historical fiction that is looking at very very well-known royalties or famous for what is in the political sphere or wherever but the well-known, there is a lot of material and nearly the person you don't really know what's real and what isn't real because there are there's so many myths about them or Yes it's, a, yes. it's a total different type of... Um,
1: it is, and there, there is a lot of historical fiction does focus on personalities, people who
0: are well known in history. Mm. Absolutely. Um, and then you don't quite always know what came first, the the sort of myths about the person or... Or the person actually was yes, quite like this, yes. or and however.
1: Yes. It's, it's very interesting to think about what is fictionalised around people. So, my character, Marguerite, mm. there was a lot of nonsense written about her. Um, okay. and in So, the that papers. was quite in the papers, yes. You know, mm. the times haven't really changed. Yes. Um, and then, you know, you say it, 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 there is a similarity between Marguerite as an unknown person. And someone, for instance, like Thomas Cromwell, Hilary Mantel's Tom, Thomas mm. Cromwell, who is known well known in some respects, but in other respects very unknown. His private life is fairly unknown, mm. um, and uh, so and, and the machinations of the court that he was at, she has built out, and she has made certain events make sense emotionally. As she has detailed this amazing story, so she perhaps is. Now I wouldn't compare myself to her, but perhaps we're doing the same thing.
0: Yeah, she's inspired yeah. your way of writing. Would she, you say?
1: Yeah, she has. And um, you know, she, I mean, she is like the the top of the tree. But you know, just to read her gives inspiration mm. about how to think about people who we. We think we we know of, but but are not complete people. Yeah, and I think Marguerite perhaps falls into that as well. I've had to make her a complete person. Yeah, it's I'm sure all historical fiction writers do that.
0: That's part of yeah, yeah. But that's 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 interesting because we then get onto the experience of the reader and what do we as readers find. Uh, you know, what does it give us? Does it give us a good story, a good fiction story, or is it teaching us that history? You know, where does the uh, historical fiction fall, really? Is it is it like um, uh, a learning tool, or is it a, a, a sort of pleasurable reading experience? Well, both, one would hope. <laughs> no, I think all of that, yeah. all of that.
1: Um, and, you know, some people who like historical, historical fiction don't like historical non-fiction mm. and that tells me that for a large set a large number of readers the story is the presentation of the story mm. that is important and carries you through and that the details and the the richness of the world that you bring them into mm. is a huge pull i mean it's a, it's a huge hook it's come, come and share this world that i have built out for you that you know that i have have reimagined not reimagined but you know presented i yeah. suppose in certain aspects so come and join me here and
0: and enjoy this amazing story that is has got themes i think reimagine is a very good word in the sense of that history is also Never certain. So if you use history, one could say we are reimagining it Mm. as we Mm. can't be one, there's very few things in history that you can be 100% certain of. Uh, Absolutely, and using that, well, I suppose I used it first. Yeah, you you, you, you,
1: you used it first, the way. Picking up on that word, yes. You know, I'm thinking of things like Bridgerton, Mm. a total reimagined world. Yes bordering on fantasy world but you know those, Bridgerton is about the story mm. but it's also about, um, about imagining a world that has elements of truth in it and it challenges you to mind if it's not histor- historically accurate and that sort of makes me think about well, what is historically accurate? Yeah. And how does, and does it really matter when you're telling a story and entertaining? And, you know, at the beginning I said I didn't want to be wrong in the things that I wrote. I didn't want to put in details that, um, things that didn't exist, you know, I didn't want to have washing machines in the Victorian kitchen unless there was a, a definite washing machine yeah. and, and one could buy one. But Bridgerton tells us that, to me, that uh, maybe that's not so important to people, and really what they want to hear is the story, so it encourages me to sort of perhaps play down some of the Mm.
0: explication part of it. Yeah, so reimagining, rewriting history, uh, I think that is that's a, is such mm. a big subject matter, mm-hmm. but, and it also made me think about um, contemporary fiction, where you write about uh, what ha- what is happening now, <laughs> but you look at it that then becomes uh, history, and then maybe it it gives you good understanding of history at that time and what I'm thinking about specifically here is, is Dickens who was writing sort of social realism but obviously very fanciful and sometimes quite way out but I think it really has um, coloured the way we ha- we look at Victorian times um, mm-hmm. but obviously it was fiction and it wasn't historical fiction mm-hmm. it was mm-hmm. just pure fiction and uh, and somehow how that connects with how we write about history now.
1: Yes, um, but I do take your point that you know, contemporary his, uh, fiction becomes documentary to some, in some respects. That's, so I we, think that you know, was Dickensian my Dickensian London. Yeah. And Dickensian, you hear phrases all the time, Dickensian conditions. Yes. Um, a, harking back to what Dickens saw and obviously yes. he saw a lot so he he was an eyewitness to a lot of, of things but he, he didn't approach it in any kind of scientifically his, historical way well it wasn't historical at that point no, no, but even sociologically yeah. Yeah. if you yeah. put it that way yeah, yeah. Um, and he did write historical fiction, you know, he, he, yeah. he, he wrote about the French revolution and yeah, he wrote okay. about yeah. the Gordon riot. So he did cast his, some of his novels in the past. Yeah. Um, so some of, yes, he would have thought about issues of historical yeah, fiction sure. as, as well, but for his contemporary fiction or, yeah. or fiction in the near past.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think it. I I think that what you were saying, how it colours the way we look at history. Mm. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's a different subject because mm. it's about how how f- fiction uh, informs mm-hmm. contemporary looking at history. So it's not historical mm. fiction uh, mm. as such. Yes, uh, and, and, and really anything we write is written from the perspective of now, isn't mm. it?
1: So. Um, so yeah, even though he was writing about the French Revolution, he yeah, was, in in some respects he was writing about his contemporary.
0: Oh yeah, of course, know, and, and yeah. Then, as we all do. As yeah. we all do, and some more than others. Like when we talk about Bridget- Bridgerton, mm. um, obviously, great liberty and very mm. much set in a contemporary sort of multicultural mm-hmm. sort of type of world. Um, but is that historical fiction really? I mean, I would I, say
1: yes. I would say it's fiction and it's historical and um, I, I you know when I when I watch it I I have to remind myself not not to you know get snitty about w- what's accurate or not as I said before but to perhaps take some of the characters and the settings as symbolic so um, and to provoke questions so to have a black, uh, Queen Charlotte, for instance, It provo- gets us all talking about. Well, well, did did she uh, have anything in her heritage that that you know, did she? Ha- as as some people have said, that she had an ancestor who was black. Hmm. So I think uh, pl- it's very painful, and that it, it it makes us think about you know. What was true and what wasn't, and it, yeah, so question, questions, yeah, it, questions yes, history. Yes, so um, uh, I think it's a very interesting phenomenon, and I, I, re- I, I, I don't get um, upset about its um, color blindness or its, yeah. you know, and nothing like that. But um, I, I think it is a valuable addition to historical fiction, actually, because yeah. it's made us quest- question things.
0: Now. As you said, you were drawn to write historical fiction rather than non-fiction in this uh, instance uh, with a new book that is nearly finished <laughs> uh, because you felt there were holes that maybe you you, you, wanted, you wanted to write a book but you couldn't cover them mm-hmm. without have a little bit of reimagination. Mm-hmm. Now, you have a following, you have readers who read your stories as historical uh, non-fiction uh, what do you think your readers are going to think of this fictional thing or do you think you are actually looking at maybe other readers it's a, may, maybe an impossible question but where are you hoping maybe this novel will land in terms of readership well
1: that, that's a very interesting question um, I think all writers want more readers and so uh, I just, my aim is always to, to produce work that people enjoy. So I'm still me and I still write in a particular style which I have translated into a f- sort of fictional treatment. Um, I'm hoping that my non-fiction readers will come with me on this and because partly because the story is is really compelling to me it is anyway and i'm hoping to make it so for readers um so yes and i am hoping for new new people to to come along and perhaps you know to have a look around at what else i've done but mostly i would i would love to have feedback when i eventually manage to get this book out but Mm. um I have been working on it for quite a long time now. (laughs) Partly working out what what kind of um, structure the story should have. I hope I've got the right one now. I'm more than halfway through the revise, so I'm hoping it won't be too long now.
0: Hmm. So, um, yeah... It sounds I, mean, I can't wait to to read it. I have to say, <laughs> it's going to be very interesting because it is a bit of a a, a sort of leap for you. It is leap, and
1: it's also a new a new um
0: era. Mm.
1: So most of my my first three books focused on early nineteenth century, so the end of the Georgian era. And then I wrote wrote the book about the ambulance driver in Chelsea during the war, mm. the Second World War, and now this is in the late Victorian period, so uh, um, I'm fully immersed in it at the moment, and I really love it.
0: Yeah,
1: uh, partly because it, you know, a lot of the th- sort of environment is still here, although That's, sadly not the house where this where the. The killing took place. The killing right. that landed Marguerite in court, but that that house has gone, um, bombed in the Second World War, I believe. Mm. Uh, but Park Lane is still there. Are you can you know yeah. still walk around yeah. and imagine what what was going on and how
0: which direction which streets she walked down, and things like that. Something that we haven't talked about in historical fiction is when we use historical fi- figures. And set them in in a. We, we use them, but we totally put their character in a different type of uh, scenario. I know you were experimenting a bit with that. Am I wrong? Oh, yeah. no, no, no you, You're no, not wrong. Uh, which I think uh-huh. is actually, actually throwing in. Um, Actual figures, but in a new type, even though it's the same era, and Mm -hmm. but you sort of it's it doesn't keep into the truth, yes. uh, Uh, Yes, very much at
1: all. You're right, I have another work in progress which I've partly put on the back burner so I can get this um, story about Marguerite out, and that does focus on a real woman, um, but. Uh, and well, and it features a couple of real historical figures
0: this is what yes. really makes me interested yes and that one is uh, that
1: I'm trying I'm going to try and write as a a crime thriller it's a crime mystery the two his the the, the, the story is about a woman called Elvina Druskovich, who is was the widow of a detective who was imprisoned for corruption. And coincidentally, this detective was the one who brought Marguerite back from France to face trial in London. So this is his widow, and she I am going to set her story up so that she, she works with a couple of women who lived near her, in Lambeth, in London, South London, just across the Thames from the Houses of Parliament, effectively. So she's going to have a friendship with Annie McCall, who is a famous doctor, maternity doctor, and a woman called Mrs. Meredith, who was involved in aftercare um, for prisoners, so prisoners who'd been released. Uh, so an early form of. Probation service in a way she she employed them in her in laundries, so I am going to build a whole new world for the, these three women based on the real world of Lambeth in about 1882, and so I've been thinking a lot about how to handle that and how how to make real people move around the story, make things up about them entirely um, and how far I can push that. Hmm. I'm kind of freed by the fact that n- none of these three women had any children.
0: Ah, this is interesting.
1: And, you know, I if I, I would just keep thinking if it were me and my grandmother, my grandmother was born in about 1882 or 1887 perhaps Um, so my great-grandparents generation for instance if somebody came along and started making stuff up about my great-grandmother how I would feel about that Mm. I might not mind but some people I accept would mind yeah Uh, so it, it has thrown up some questions for me about what to ascribe to people. Yeah. And I have read a few sort of historical crime novels, one or two based on on real people. There's one I've started recently about uh, Josephine Tay, who was a playwright and author. And this series of crime thrillers focuses on her. And I have no idea how accurate it is about her life. Um, but uh, I just thought it, it, it provoked in me some questions of how far can I go mm. ascribing things or events to people, real people, um, who, who now have no one to speak for them. So, you know, I don't want to go down the road of, of uh, hauling myself in and, you know, not going somewhere exciting because, yeah. because of this. But um, it just gave me some pause for thought.
0: And then of course you do see quite frequently where they say this is based on mm. and all the names have changed. Mm. Mm. So I mean that's another way of, of telling a story yes. but giving the freedom of using uh, quite real events. Um,
1: Absolutely, and it is something I have considered, you know, mm. just doing find and change, yeah. change all the names, and away you go. Mm. The only thing that stops at me is a sort of emotional attachment to them as real people. So yeah. Marguerite, for instance, yes. I think, well, she was Marguerite and she did do these things. Mm. Um, it. I think that at some point I'm going to try that as an experiment to see if it helps me as a writer, yeah. if it frees me some more. And I have been advised by one of my um, helpful readers uh, to free myself from the facts. And I wonder if that, that might be a way to go. If I'm, If yeah. I'm stuck at the story of the real story, whether it helps everyone... If I just take that leap and say, look, this is a story about a thing and it's based on. Mm. It isn't. I'm not trying to accurately tell you absolutely everything that you need to know about the story. I'm going to tell you what you should know.
0: Yes. It seems that uh, writing historical fiction compared with writing absolute fiction... It's a it's it's a very tight sort of walk on a on a line sort of thing, you know. It's there there are. It's very hard to tell the truth, isn't it? It is,
1: and you know, as I said, um, I don't want to be wrong. Hmm. I want to help people understand what what I you know the the thing or the place or the the story that I'm telling. Yes. Um, I don't want to get in their way. I don't want to bore them. I don't want to sort of go off in a tangent that uh, it brings me to, you know, so that everybody is tired of, of, of my beloved Marguerite, for instance. Yeah. It is, I'm, I'm, I've got to say, I find it quite difficult to do, and yeah. I've given it a lot of thought.
0: It seems to me it is a very difficult thing to do now when you, you talk about yes. it, and I love that you said i don't want to be entirely wrong and <laughs> i think maybe that's what historical writers and readers have to uh historical fiction writers and historical fiction readers have to somehow bear in mind that it might not be 100 percent correct but it it, 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 it in, ter- yeah. in terms of maybe if you have a dialogue say yes. of course you can't be correct because yeah. we don't know what no, they no, said no, no. but we can just imagine mm. unless it's mm-hmm. a transcript of something but but it's it's that thing of that it, it it's probably not wrong yes
1: <laughs> yes and i, I suppose there's the feasibility you know that yeah. you want it to be feasible and believable and not to cause your reader to go what is she all about, or or to arrive at a point where something is clunky and jars, so it's mm. not jarring. Um, and as going back to Hilary Mantel, this I mean, she's just a genius. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, there were no jarring mm. parts. She made everything make sense because she made it make. Sense on an emotional level. Yeah, she looked at what people do and how they are with each other, in a very sort of complex She had such a complex understanding mm. of of people and how they operate. Um, can't possibly hope to go to that level, but that is what um, I aspire to. You know, we'll see in the end mm. what happens but um that, that's that's what i would like
0: yeah right well i i think there's been um interesting conversation about historical fiction has certainly opened up a lot of thoughts it seems to be a lot to take from that now what's up any more projects for you naomi
1: uh, well, actually, there are. There's one mm-hmm. um, which I hope is uh, going to um, conclude soon. I have been working on a nonfiction uh, book from for my independent press, Carrot Press, about elopements in the Georgian era. Um, so that really covers elopement and, sadly, abduction of. Young, usually young women for forcible marriage.
0: And is that about several women, or is it focusing on one woman in particular? Well, um, I did publish a book in
1: 2014, I think it was, The Disappearance of Maria Glenn, and that was the story of one girl, a 16-year-old girl, who, who was taken from her home for the purpose of forcible marriage and what happened to her afterwards and what happened to the people who did that. But this book is a collection of of stories, so I think I've got 11 or 12 of individual cases. So some are elopements, some are abductions, you know, in which case there's a lot of coercion and etc. involved. Um, And then I've taken newspaper snippets from the mid 18th century up to about 1837 and just compiled them as a selection of various stories to show some of the width of the subject mm. um, and how newspapers reported such stories. So that is is called On the Wings of Love, and it will be out, I hope, by the end of the year. Mm, that's soon. So, yes, um, possibly sooner, aiming for, for sort of the end of October probably, but um, I can't promise.
0: Mm.
1: That's where it'll be when it be, is, yeah, but it's coming.
0: Right. Well, I think I think that's uh, concludes our talk today. What well, do you think? Thank you, Lena. Is there it's anything been else? To you as think? Usual? Yeah. And also, we want to thank the community centre here in Stockwell, of course, for letting us use their beautiful studio. Thank uh, you. Thank you. The,
1: door the, 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 door, the door, door. door. the door. The door. The door. The
0: door. The door. The door. <sighs> the door.